All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a Monday mailbag episode where we'll be taking your listener questions about the Atlanta Falcons, answering them and focusing quite a bit on what this team needs to do this season to have a successful season and or make the playoffs. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course, the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Falcons is brought to you by rockauto.com, where you can find amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Just visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. So today's episode is a Monday mailbag, a Q&A episode in which I will be answering your listener questions. A bunch of you sending questions on Twitter. I will not be able to get to all your Twitter questions that many of you sent in over the weekend. Uh, had a couple of email questions, uh, including whether or not the Falcons pass on a quarterback because they were concerned about Matt Ryan pulling in Aaron Rodgers. What are some of the realistic playoff scenarios for the Falcons this year? And if a successful season for this team includes beating the Buccaneers, uh, who needs to step up more Hayden Hurst or the number two wide receiver comparing Kyle Shanahan to Frodo Baggins. Uh, Can Matt Ryan be a top five quarterback and what is my favorite finishing move in wrestling? So we'll get to all of those topics on today's episode, but let's start things off with an email from Terrence Fleming and his first of two questions is it sounds like Julio wanted to be traded prior to the draft, but do you think the Falcons drafting pits, a potential elite, player with comparable abilities help fan Julio's flame to leave Atlanta. No, I, you know, for me, the suspicion I have had with the Julio stuff is that nothing the Falcons did after a certain point really mattered. And when exactly that point was, I don't know. We can only speculate, but all reports seem to indicate that at some point in March around March that the Falcons and Julio sort of decided to file for divorce, or at least Julio decided to file for divorce. And what exactly were the factors that led to that? We'll probably never know. And until Julio, you know, seven years from now appears on some former NFL players podcast, like Chris Long's or something and sort of divulges those secrets. We'll probably never know. Um, But, you know, I think some of it had to do going back several months when, you know, there were rumors about the Falcons trading Julio Jones uh, back in October, November, December, that sort of thing. Um, And I'm sure that didn't necessarily sit well with him after Dan Quinn's firing that we know, according to various reports also uh, sort of did not, sit well with Julio Jones and led to his divorce here. So, you know, as far as the exact moments in the timeline, we know it began sometime in 2019 with that sort of prolonged negotiation for his new deal and don't know when exactly that final straw was for Julio Jones at some point in 2020, it seemed to come. So, you know, I feel like that divorce happened well before the selection of Kyle Pitts and and that is just gravy or whatever the case may be. And nor do I think it really would have mattered much in Julio's, thought process, whether the Falcons would have taken a quarterback, a defensive player, or or a pass catcher like Kyle Pitts wouldn't have mattered at that point in time. Uh, Terrence's next question is, and do you think 
the quarterback drama in Green Bay and seeing how Rodgers responded to the Packers drafting Jordan Love, Jordan Love may have motivated the Falcons to pass on a new quarterback to sit behind Matt Ryan. I'm sure it's a factor, but all signs indicated that Matt Ryan would not have had the same reaction that Aaron Rodgers has had. You know, and I think the Falcons, mostly the main reasons why the Falcons passed on the quarterback was because they did not deem Justin Fields as good as the other quarterbacks that they could have potentially taken had they not been taken in the top three and also Matt Ryan's contract. I think the Falcons didn't want to deal with the looming question heading in 2022, which would have been, you know, had they taken a quarterback at four would have been either trading Matt Ryan and taking on that huge dead money hit or the possibility of not trading Matt Ryan and then having to sit their number four overall selection for a second season. And I think the Falcons took the path of least resistance, which was to not have that question come up at all by not taking quarterback. Uh, And maybe they would have been able to, you know, would have embraced that question head on had the, the quote unquote right quarterback been there, presumably Trey Lance in this scenario, maybe they would have went in that direction, but we'll never know. But clearly they did not think Justin Fields was worthy of dealing with that question. And it goes back to something that Arthur Smith said uh, to Chris Collinsworth on his podcast last week, which is about building the team up and then going to get your quarterback using that sort of Kansas city chiefs model that they had with Alex Smith before they went out and got Patrick Mahomes. And we've talked about that model being a worthwhile one over the last, you know, seven, eight, nine months, uh, really going back to November of last year as being a path that the Falcons could follow. But as I've said several times over that time, that path, is heavily dependent on you winning games. Like that's the reason why Alex Smith was able to, to go four years before, you know, the chiefs thought about replacing him because they were winning games in those years and making the playoffs every single season. Um, and so that's going to be a requirement for the Falcons. And we'll get more into that specific topic of the, whether the Falcons are going to win this year um, later on the podcast, but you know, going back to Aaron Rodgers, you know, he, his situation in green Bay is fascinating one because you look at the, sort of the big chip that he came into the league with on his shoulder in addition to falling in the draft, but then sort of uh, Brett Favre giving him the cold shoulder and then for to see him kind of do the same thing with Jordan Love, you know, I think speaks to kind of how much of a jerk of a human being he is. And, you know, he generally gets a pass because of how good a quarterback he is. He's going to probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer and, and deservedly so. There's no one denying his football ability. But, you know, it's just interesting because there are no stories really about Aaron Rodgers. At least I've never heard any stories about Aaron Rodgers, at least in his interactions with other human beings, uh, family members, teammates, etc., that seem to portray him as a genuinely good guy. You know, like he's he's a kind of a, a prickly human being, which is fine. Like, again, that doesn't make him a terrible person, but it just, you know, it's it's not great. Right. And, you know, that's not the situation with Matt Ryan. So I don't think that would have been a chief concern for the Falcons had they gone in that direction. But the other factor, which is, you know, leading to why the Packers, why it's much more of a question mark, why the Packers did what they did versus what the Falcons would have done what they've done. Cause simply the Packers had been a lot more successful of a football team. These last over the last decade than the Falcons have been, you know, going into the year, the off season where they drafted Jordan love, you know, the Packers have been in the postseason nine out of the previous 11 seasons. And you compare that with the Falcons and their 11 previous seasons heading into this past off season, they've only been in the postseason five times. And the, the six times where they have missed the playoffs, you know, have been in 
over the last eight years. Um, and I, you know, I think if the Falcons were looking at the Packers situation and saying, Oh, we don't want that. I think that would have been just bad perspective. Like, cause they just don't think that is the same situation, right? Not only are you picking a guy, you know, fourth overall in the draft versus like the fourth lat to, to last pick in, in the first round, like Jordan Love was in 27th or whatever he was. Um, you know, that's a big difference. And then you also factor in that the Packers drafted Jordan Love coming off of the heels of a 13 and three season where they were in the NFC championship game and they got exposed by the 49ers. And you would assume that they would make roster decisions to be like, okay, we need to figure out how we can beat the 49ers, how we can beat the best teams, the saints, et cetera, as opposed to let's draft a quarterback that's going to sit and then may or may not be, you know, a good player, you know, a couple of years from now. So that was fascinating at that point in time um, for the Packers to make that decision. And obviously it's very different from this Falcons situation where they're coming off a four and 12 season in, you know, salary cap hell as many people would term it. And the quarterback's contract is arguably the biggest obstacle to uh, them getting out of that quarterback hell. And so moving on from Matt Ryan, at least in the Falcon situation, would at least get you in a better salary cap situation. At least that, you know, that's an arguable point. I'm I'm sure I'll get some pushback from that, that statement, but um, you know, it's a very different circumstances. So I I think again, if the Falcons were looking at the Packers situation saying, Oh, we don't want to have that situation. They were not looking at that situation in the proper context because it's just very different context that the Falcons are dealing with this off season in the position to take a quarterback now than what the Packers were dealing with last off season and their decision to take a quarterback. So um, that's where we'll leave it. And we'll get more into the subject of what it takes for the Falcons to have a successful season this year. And if that means beating the Buccaneers and we'll talk about whether that's uh, will lead to some uh, realistic playoff scenarios. And we'll get into that as we continue today's lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of the lockdown podcast network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks. Check out the lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can find them all on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at BetOnline. The NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and Wimbledon are ongoing. And of course, baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. And it's not just sports, since BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit 500 bucks, you get $250 in free money to play with. Again, with that promo code locked on for that 50% welcome bonus, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So Jeff Van Gundy's burner at Jeff Van Gundy's B1 uh, asks, are we going to beat the bucks at least once this year? I hope so. Um, you know, we had David Walker of the Falcoholic on the podcast last week, and I asked him sort of what this Falcons team needs to do to be successful. And he didn't necessarily want to put a win total on it, but I'm going to do that. You know, I think this team needs to win at least nine games to have a successful season. 
You know, the way I figure it is that you want this team to win at least three division games. I feel like they're going to need to win at least four out of their eight games against the AOC East and NFC East. And then on top of that, beat the Lions and Jaguars to get you the nine wins. You know, and I bring that up because, you know, which three games within the division that they win is up to you. Maybe that's sweeping the Panthers and splitting with the Saints. Maybe that's sweeping the Saints and splitting with the Panthers. Or maybe that's splitting with all three teams. Right. I don't think anybody's expecting them to sweep the, the Bucks. But let's assume three of the four games you win versus the AFC and NFC East teams is the Jets, Eagles, and Giants. And I'm sure most would agree that those are the three weakest teams within those divisions. Uh, so you would have to have one win against the Bills, Patriots, Dallas, uh, Dolphins, and, and Washington. Um, and, and all of those teams would con- be considered better than the Falcons currently, at least based off of current Super Bowl odds and win totals. Um, and I, I feel like you need to upset one of those teams. And I, you know, I don't say this because I think teams like the Giants, Jags, and Panthers are pushovers and easy wins. But I believe if you believe Arthur Smith is, you know, a top-notch coach, then you expect him to win all or most of those games. Right now, you have seven games against teams projected to have less than eight wins this season based off of bet online's, you know, win total projections. And and my point is that if you're a good team, you should win all seven of those games or at least six of those games. Then you have four games against teams projected to win 10 or more games this year uh, that have win totals of double digit wins. That's Tampa Bay twice, San Francisco and Buffalo. And you you don't realistically expect to win any of those games, although hopefully, you know, they'll have a little bit of a, uh, a chance against Tampa Bay, but that leaves six games against teams that are projected to win between eight and 10 wins this year. That's new Orleans twice, uh, new England, Miami, Washington, and Dallas. And I would feel a lot better about this coaching staff if they were able to say split those games and go three and three, in those six games. So that would look like, you know, nine or 10 wins this year. Um, the reason why is, you know, this Falcons team is not particularly thin. Their depth is pretty terrible. And we'll probably get into that as we, uh, you know, over the next several weeks when we start doing their training camp previews and talking about which guys need to sort of step up because they're going to have to be, you know, potentially starters this year in the event of injuries. And, you know, those injuries, if they have a couple of key injuries, you know, you could very easily see this team winning four or five games this year. And, you know, if this team is going to have anything approaching a successful season, it's going to be in large part due to them overachieving because of how well coached they are, not because they have this overwhelming talent level. One way to measure good coaching is beating the teams that you're supposed to beat and beating at least some of the teams that you're not supposed to beat. And Tampa Bay, of course, would be on that list of teams that you're not supposed to beat. And this was an issue going back, especially in 2019 with the Dan Quinn coaching staff, where we saw this team beat teams like New Orleans and San Francisco that they weren't supposed to beat and then lost to teams like Tennessee and Arizona that they were absolutely supposed to beat. And and this is part of the reason why I think statements like, oh, you are what your record says you are, aren't particularly worthwhile statements because like that 2019's team seven and nine would have been very different if they had beaten the Titans and Cardinals and lost to the saints and 49ers that feels like a very different seven to nine team than the seven to nine team that we got, because that would have been a team that at least started the season three and five. And you would have said, okay, well they had a tough sledding of teams to start the season. Six out of their first eight games would have come against teams that ultimately finished 2019 with winning records. Um, and you would have went, you know, two and four against those teams. And, and it slightly shifts the narrative you know, that, you know, maybe this is just me, but, you know, it feels like it leaves far less of a taste, a bad taste in your mouth coming out of 2019 
um, so that when Arthur Blank decides to retain Dan Quinn at the end of the season, it, at least in my eyes, makes a lot more sense as a lot more defensible decision had they, you know, started at season three and five and, and finished, you know, four and four or whatever the case may be. And obviously we'll see what happens this year. And a lot can change, you know, between now and September and obviously now in December. But I do think having a winning record this season would give me at least a lot of confidence heading into 2022 that, you know, the Falcons under Arthur Smith could be on the verge of making that big leap if and when they can upgrade their depth and talent, much like we saw them do going from 2015 to 2016. And this is something I brought up to DW on that previous episode last week. And, you know, similarly, the 2015 team was not a particularly talented team, um, you know, similar to this 2021 team, but they were able to add those necessary pieces in 2016. And you saw them make a significant jump. And for me, when I look at the eight teams that are supposedly better than the Falcons, you know, in the 10 over the course of 10 games this year, if we were to go 0 and 10 in those 10 games against those eight teams, that wouldn't personally inspire me with a ton of confidence about this current coaching staff. But obviously it's easy for me to say that right now. And there's obviously some flexibility within that. It's, it's different if say, you know, in those 10 games, you go down to the final possession in like seven or eight of them versus if you went down to the final possession in like two or three of them. Right. So um, we'll see how that goes. But that brings up a similar question from CD three, two, two, four, who asks, what's the most realistic scenario for the Falcons to make the playoffs in 2021 building off of what I previously just outlined. I, I think a fast start really does wonders for this team. This upcoming season. I think you have those five games going into the bye week Then you have six games coming out of the bye week where I feel like the Falcons have a really golden opportunity to pad some wins early in the season and catch some teams, you know, asleep at the wheel, so to speak. And, and maybe even catch this fan base asleep at the wheel uh, before we get into the sort of, at least what I deem to be the meat of the schedule where you have some tougher divisional matchups, as well as probably arguably two of the toughest teams outside of your division that you're going to face this year in Buffalo and San Francisco, at least in theory. So ideally you can start the season like four and one, but maybe let's say three and two with those five games before the bye week. And then you have six games coming out of the bye that I think most people look at and say, Oh, that's going to be a tough slate of games uh, considering that you're going to be on the road a bunch. And, but you know, I look at those teams and I don't, I don't see any juggernauts that I'm like, I don't think, you know, when I look at the Falcons, I'm like, I think they can beat some of these teams. And and those are Miami, Carolina, New Orleans, Dallas, uh, New England, and Jacksonville. And I feel like this is the part of schedule where you can start stealing some of those, you know, wins against some of these quote unquote better teams where you can get a, a couple of upsets against some of these quality opponents like Miami, New Orleans, Dallas, and New England. And let's say you beat two of those teams those four teams, then you also beat Carolina and Jacksonville. You're now looking at seven or eight wins heading into the final month of the season. Then you got Carolina again, Detroit, New Orleans over those last six games, in addition to the Bucs, Bills, and 49ers. And so you can still lose to the Bucs, Bills, and 49ers and still be in a position to have a winning record this year and, and have nine or 10 wins, um, you know, at the end of the season. And certainly have, you know, potentially nine wins going into the final week of the season. And then you're in a situation going up against those pesky Saints, uh, you know, with a potential win in your end sort of scenario, at least to get the double digit wins. And that could potentially lock up a wild card spot or something like that. So, you know, when you look at the NFC, you know, I, I feel like this conference is generally down this year, you know, outside of the NFC West, you look at the other three divisions and it's, you know, most people look at Dallas as the favorite team to win the NFC East. I know a lot of people are putting Washington up there, but it's probably between one of those two teams, right? Then you have Green Bay, 
the runaway favorite for the NFC North. Obviously we need to see how the Rogers situation plays out. And obviously if Aaron Rodgers decides not to play football this year, that changes the math on that. But even then, you know, they drop off, but it's not as if like you're expecting Minnesota and in Chicago to be juggernauts or anything like that. And then you have obviously the bucks sort of kind of standing on their own in the NFC South. But outside of that, you know, you're not looking at juggernauts of teams in those three divisions, you know, Washington, Minnesota, New Orleans, et cetera. You know, I, I feel like the Falcons have a chance to get into that mix with those teams for a wild card spot, because even if you assume two out of the three wild cards come from the NFC West um, with teams like the Rams, the Seahawks and the 49ers, as well as the Cardinals, you can't leave the Cardinals out of the conversation. I feel like. 10 wins. If you can get 10 wins elsewhere, you should be in a, in a prime position to win a wild card spot. So, you know, I'll keep saying it and, you know, I'll keep making these comparisons, but I feel like the goal for this year's 2021 Falcons teams is basically to be last year's Browns team that had a brand new head coach that brought in a, a system and went up against a re- relatively soft schedule. One of the weakest schedules in the league last year and was able to rack up a bunch of wins despite being a fairly middling to flawed team. Um, but that was a team that consistently was able to put their best foot forward. And that led to them, you know, winning 11 games last year, winning a playoff game last year. So I feel like that's the goal for the Falcons is basically just, you know, Arthur Smith to be this year's Kevin Stefanski. And if the Falcons can pull that off, they got a shot at the playoffs and we'll see what happens. But um, we will wrap up today's podcast by getting into further questions from the listeners, including who is more important, the wide receiver two, presumably Russell Gage or Hayden Hurst. Can Matt Ryan be a top five quarterback this year? And what is the, uh, and what is my preferred finishing move when it comes to wrestling? And we'll get into that as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NHL side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite hockey team. Um, and you can check those out on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So did you know that Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, has nine delicious flavors? Whether you're a fan of coconut almond like me, or you like salted caramel, coconut, raspberry, cherry barcia, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, or cookies and cream, there's something for everyone. And there's also the occasional limited time flavor like strawberry and orange on sale all summer long. Try them all with a mix box. You can get two each of all nine flavors. Built Bars taste just like a candy bar. They contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but it's not just about their great taste. They're healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. I like using them as low calorie meal replacements for breakfast and lunch. You can use them however you want. Give yourself an energy boost pre or post workout as you work your way into that summer beach body. Now that quarantine has been lifted, use Built Bars however you want. Just head over to the website at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Finding the right parts can be difficult for your football team, but it's not that hard for your vehicle because all you got to do is go to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new floor mats. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your make or model of vehicle. You can choose by brand specification and the price that you prefer. And the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend up to two times as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck in right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. 
So Brandon Rogers at Brand Raj on Twitter asks, was the real hero Gollum for ultimately falling into Mount Doom and destroying the ring, albeit inadvertently, or was it Frodo for bringing the ring to Mordor, although he was corrupted and claimed it for himself in the end? Are there no heroes? And why is Kyle Shanahan Frodo? So spoiler alert for an 18 year old movie. And by the way, speaking of that, what is the statute of limitations for spoiling a movie? Right. You know, I've heard five years, you know, certainly I think 10 years definitely is fine, you know, and certainly in the case what we're talking about now over 15 years is definitely fine, but somewhere in that five to 10 year range feels appropriate where, you know, the cutoff, you know, five to seven years maybe, but you know, Gollum ain't no hero, man. Um, you know, it's definitely Frodo between the two of them. Although I think you may argue that Sam was the real hero for putting up with Frodo's nonsense for months, if not years leading to their trip to Mordor. Um, you know, why is Kyle Shanahan Frodo? I mean, I don't get that one. You know, are you basically saying because he carried the ring, i.e. he carried the 2016 Falcons, um, offensively and then was corrupted in the end and had his finger bitten off and, and fell into the volcano and why the Falcons blew their, you know, Super Bowl lead. Is that what you're making that comparison? Cause other than that, I don't, I don't see the parallels. Mantis Toboggan, MD at Sebastian's dad, 19's question is first off, congrats on the blue check mark. Appreciate it. Uh, second, what is going to be more important this year? How well Hayden performs as the second tight end or someone stepping up to be the number two wide receiver. Well, that number two wide receiver is probably going to wind up playing at least 85% of the snaps. So I would imagine that guy's going to play more and, and be a little bit more important, but Hurst is certainly going to be a significant factor in the red zone. But for me, I'm far less concerned about the Falcons red zone offense. I, you know, I'm very, I'm assuming maybe this is, shouldn't be an assumption, but I'm assuming the Falcons are going to have a good red zone offense, at least above average this year. But really what concerns me is more their offense between the twenties, because I don't know if they're going to be able to generate reliably enough explosive plays to get themselves into the red zone. Cause you kind of need to be explosive to, to increase the chances that you get those red zone opportunities rather than sort of being that sort of dink and dunk offense that putting together 10, 15 play drives. Uh, you got to get those explosive plays, but um, Falcons fan MVP at Ryan to Jones asked, do you think Matt Ryan will play like a top five quarterback under Arthur Smith this year? I think that's very doubtful, but maybe next year, you know, I thought the possibility was much higher for the Falcons for Matt Ryan to hit that benchmark with Julio Jones on the team. But I wouldn't say it's zero now, but it's certainly lower, considerably lower. You know, Matt Ryan's had two seasons since his rookie season where he has performed as a top five quarterback, at least based off of adjusted net yards per attempt or Anya. And those, of course, were 2016 and 2018. And what's notable is, you know, being a top five quarterback has gotten a little bit harder these last couple of years because, you know, for example, in 2018, he was fifth in the NFL in Anya with a 7.71 Anya. And if he had done that again in 2019 and 2020, he would have been like in seventh or eighth place. Right. So, you know, when you look back at Matt Ryan's success and, and, you know, quarterback success and the Falcons team success every year that the Falcons have made the playoffs with the exception of 2020, 2010, I'm sorry, you know, Matt Ryan has finished in the top 10 in Anya um, in each of those years. So I think in general, it's less about Matt Ryan being a top five quarterback and more about him being a top 10 quarterback if that pattern holds, but top five is definitely possible, but I think it would require a level of a supporting cast that the Falcons currently don't have. And we would have to sort of see them try to get 
next year and in the years beyond uh, for Matt Ryan to achieve that level. That's my expectation, but we'll see. Um, You know, maybe Arthur Smith is just that good. Uh, Mike at Mike five Ritter asks, if you were a wrestler, what would your finishing move be? Um, So caveat first, I haven't watched wrestling on a regular basis in like 15 years. But I did watch it, you know, throughout the late 80s and early 90s and, and or not early 90s, throughout the 90s. So, you know, 20 years prior to like 2005, I, I watched reg- wrestling on a regular basis. So if my answers are a little bit outdated, that's why, um, you know, the, the stunner slash diamond cutter slash RKO, you know, depending on which generation you are from to which you refer to that move as is is a very fun finisher because you can literally pull it out of nowhere, hence the RKO out of nowhere statement. So that's probably the ideal one. Um, you know, the power bomb is iconic. Um, obviously you have to have the size and strength to pull that off. You know, not all of us are Kevin Nash, um, you know, but if you've ever had smaller children or smaller nieces and nephews or younger siblings, you know, there's nothing better than power bombing them onto beds or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I can't imagine how satisfying that would be to do that to a grown man. Um, you know, the figure four, the sharpshooter, scorpion, all those types of are, are great finishers as well. Iconic ones. But, uh, you know, I typically prefer more of the knock a guy out than, you know, submission type finishers. Um, but if I was to prefer a submission type of move, you know, obviously again, I'm not strong enough to pull this off, but the torture rack was a great one from Lex Luger, uh, back in the day. You know, I remember thinking, watching wrestling, like, what's the big deal about the torture act? Like, he just puts a guy on his shoulders and shakes him a couple of times, and that that's it. But then a friend of mine, when we were probably in middle school, got a trampoline. And, um, you know, we were able to put a little bit, add some variety to the wrestling moves that we could do on one another. Because we had the aid of the trampoline to allow us to sort of jump on each other's backs and whatnot. And so, you know, my, my older brother was able to put me in a torture rack. And, uh, you know, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Um, so any of those moves, those submission moves that are more spine oriented than necessarily like knee or leg or ankle oriented, like the torture rack, the Boston crab, Texas cloverleaf, et cetera. You know, if I was to do a submission move, those would be more on the, uh, level that I would be looking to, to do. So, um, yeah, man, you know, I, I gave you three options. I don't know. It, it just depends. Like if I'm big enough, you know, probably power bomb, but it, you know, if I'm normal sized human being, like most of us are probably, you know, RKO slash the stunner or whatever the case may be. Uh, so there you guys have it. Uh, there were more questions sent in and hopefully we will get to those later in the week and, and maybe we'll explore further Arthur Smith's comments about sort of taking the chief's model of building up the team before going out and getting your quarterback and sort of what pathway that the Falcons can address that. And in addition to answering those leftover questions later this week, Hopefully we'll, we'll kick off the training camp and position by position previews. And normally we go in like a, a pretty standard order of quarterback, running back, wide receiver. But I'm thinking about doing a little bit more of an unorthodox order to keep you guys on your toes uh, this summer. And so if you have any specific feedback on what order you would like me to see go in, by all means, hit me up uh, in addition to hit me up for future questions and future Q and A's on Twitter at locked on Falcons on Facebook at locked on Falcons. Or you can send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. We should also have a guest on future episodes this week. I'm, I'm optimistic that we'll get some good guests on to talk about various 
subjects related to the Falcons. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, podcasts getting great guests on, that is, of course, the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski, who, where he is joined on a daily basis from the various experts from around the Locked On Podcast Network to get you covered on all sports. You know, it's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.